0: an iPhone, your time should say 1057. Amen. If you have an Android, we'll pray for you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Start a phone war up in here. Praise God. I just wrecked the church and I didn't even start preaching yet. Amen. So, um, praise God. It is 1057 and, uh, I am absolutely uh, thrilled and I just want to share with you, uh, that it is such an honor to pastor, um, to pastor, first and foremost, but to pastor a church uh, like the Gathering Place is absolutely life-changing. So I want to thank you all so much for your commitment, and uh, I know today that you're going to be equipped, you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be empowered um, to, uh, to grow in your faith and to be a witness in the world and how to be a light How many know that we're supposed to be a light in this dark world? Amen. We are. We are to be a light in this dark world. And Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. So uh, let's pray that I'm going to dive into the word today. I'm just going to give you the introduction. I don't know what happens. I start and I get my three points and then they just get huge and they expand and Praise God. That's what happens when you dive into the word of God. You start like this, and then he just expands you, you know, and you get so much more into it. But let's pray, and we're going to deal with our theme for this month, vote of confidence. Let's get into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we need you. We are desperate for you. And so we desire more of you. I pray this morning that you will continue to speak through me. Now the words that I share would be your words. Father, as they would say in the olden days, hide me behind the cross. And how relevant that is for us today, that we must be people of the cross. We thank you that there's power in the name of Jesus. And it's that name that we exalt and lift up today. I pray for all those who are here. And for those who are watching online as well, and for those who receive this message, because someone put it in their heart. Someone put in their heart to say, Father, I'm going to obey you and share this message with someone that I believe is going to be transformational. Bless them as well, Father. And so we honor you, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory. We thank you that every barrier is broken. And in Jesus' name, we honor and we praise you. Amen. Amen. All right. So this is the month of October, and it is going to be a great month. Uh, part of the people that know me, I am an optimistic person. I like to believe uh, that God is good. I like to believe that God is great. It doesn't mean I minimize the pain you're going through. I just know that God is bigger than the pain, and so there is space to grieve. But don't let the enemy rob you of the grave. And so it's important that we understand then that uh, being a pastor requires a heavy, enormous amount of grace, a tremendous grace. I tell people all the time, if you want a pastor, make sure you're called by God and not just you think it's popular to be a pastor. You deserve someone who's called by God to lead you doesn't mean that you're not leaders. Of course you are, but you need the grace gift on your life to awaken what's inside of you. And so I encourage you and I ask you for your prayers this month as we dive into what I believe is a foundational message to hear the heart of God for our nation, number one. But number two, and more importantly, for his church, we must get the heart of God for his church. It is vital that we that we do that. First and foremost, I love God. He's number one in my life. That ought to be your confession as well. Anything else is idolatry, plain and simple. He's got to be number one. He's got to be the Lord of your life. The second great love of my life is my wife, Now, my children, my wife, and uh, then my children, and then this church. And you want it to be in that order because that's how the grace of God flows, right? You want it to be in that order because pastor and a people, you must be able to communicate the heart of God. So if I'm not making sure that God is number one in my life, it'll affect my marriage. And if I don't have a healthy marriage, it'll affect my children. If I don't have children, it'll affect my ministry. And so I take that seriously, the call of God on my life. Someone might be asking, where are you going with this? I'm I'm going somewhere. I want you just to stay with you for a little bit. I want you to understand the time of which we are living in and the importance of the church to be the answer and the light for this dark world. If there's ever a time since I've been alive in my 50 years on this planet that we're living in a time where we need to understand the heartbeat of God. And so we no longer shall live by talking points. We must live by the text of the word of God. You cannot survive. You cannot thrive on talking points. You must hunker down. You must have a confidence in the word of God. You must make a decision, my brothers and sisters, that you're going to be a lover of the word of God from now until the day he calls you home. You may not like to read, but this is not some book. This is the word of God that will bring transformation to your life. Ask God to give you the grace to be able to comprehend the revelation of his word. We've had great people who are illiterate, but powerful in the text. Because the grace of God was upon their life. There is no more excuses to not be a lover of the word of God. And so, in Matthew twenty-two, verse fifteen to twenty-two, Matthew, excuse me, twenty-two, verses fifteen to twenty-two will be will be our teaching text for this theme, uh, vote of confidence. And I love this story because this story is recorded both in Matthew, it's recorded in Mark, it's recorded in Luke, and it's from this text that i gave, that, that I got the theme, voice of confidence, vote, excuse me, of confidence, not voice, vote of confidence. It is in this text. And so in Matthew 22, verses 15 to 22, here's what it says. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? I heard it was said that true gospel preaching of the kingdom will offend both sides. (laughs) It's So good. It's so good. That when you preach the message of the kingdom, both sides would be saying, ouch. Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius, which is the day's wages. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. What a mouthful, what a mouthful, what a mouthful. On Thursday, I was driving to Lizzie's volleyball game and I told her we have a rule. When I come to the game, it's three and done. They play the best of five and I said, just win all three so we can go home. Praise God. <laughs> so what I do, When I'm on the bench. I'm like one down, two more to go. And I also like watching her play, amen. But it's, it's three and out. And so on this particular travel to her game, which was which away, way, I, I was playing worship music in the car. Nobody else was in the vehicle with me. I dropped off Megan, and I was, I was going somewhere to get something, and it was just me by myself. And, and when I'm by myself, I like to sing because I can sing out of key, and God doesn't remind me that I'm not in key. And I'm just singing this worship song, and it's loud, and it's great, and... And as I'm driving, I'm remembering the places, I remember this place, I'm like, oh my God, it's been so long since I've been here. And as I'm driving, and all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me that every message that I've been teaching on confidence has been on point, praise God. According to him anyways. The people may not agree, but he says, everything you've been teaching has been on point. And he says, you have arrived exactly where I want you to be. And then he reminded me that that he says, remember, you are a strong, confident leader. Worship music is taking place, and I'm here to tell you that there are moments in your life why you must remain in worship, because God will speak and remind you who you are when you think you don't need it. God will remind you at that moment, you need to hear this word. You are a strong, confident leader. Nobody else was around. It was just me. And God was reminding me, absence of everybody else, now, what I think about you, Rowan, is that you're a strong, confident leader. What do you tell yourself when you're by yourself? I'm here to tell you that God wants you to know that you are a strong, confident leader. And so this morning I received a prophetic text from somebody and they just confirmed what what God was speaking to me. And, And here's what I believe God is saying. He says, you must stand still and firm right in the middle where the balance is assured and speak my word. And speak my word. And I want to release that to this ministry. I want to release that to those who are who are open to receive that, that you must be balanced. You must stand firm as we are navigating through the storms, as we're going to navigate through the things that are happening. We no longer want talking points. We must adhere to the text of the word of God if we're going to survive the storms that are taking place. You see, the scriptures... Are about Jesus, in case you didn't know that. They talk about Joshua, they talk about Moses, they talk about David, they talk about Jonah. They talk about great characters with their flaws. But the Bible, the story, the scriptures is about Jesus. And he wants to remind his church. That if we get off track and talk about anything else other than Jesus, people will not be strengthened to handle the storms of life that are about to take place. It must be about Jesus. We must be spirit-filled. We must welcome God's presence. We must be clear and consistent with no confusion that the church, the body of Christ, we are to be a witness of God's grace today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. You and I cannot wake up without the grace of God saying, get up. And if the grace of God wakes us up, then we must understand that God has confidence in us that we will be able to navigate all that is taking place and to be strong in what we are to do. Body of Christ, write this down. This is the season to serve. You may have heard it in other times, but this is the season to serve. First, serve Christ. That's the first thing. You must serve Christ. And by the grace of God, he calls you to himself. And the grace that called you to Christ also releases you to be like Christ. And this is the season to serve. That you must find something to serve to bring the clear and consistent message that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we must do. If we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to be people that's going to be able to navigate through the hurricane and navigate through the, through the storms, we must be people that clearly are declaring, this is the season to first and foremost serve Christ. This is also the season for us to serve the church, to get involved, to do something to be part of community. We must make a decision that we are going to serve. Yes, I have a gift that I need to contribute to the community. Yes, I've got something that I can share with somebody. This is the season to serve. Jesus said it profoundly, and Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And if Jesus, the Son of God, can serve, then we ought to serve as well. I have made it my commitment never to lead a ministry by fear. And I pray by the grace of God for those who've been with us from the beginning, for those who are joining us, that you will never hear a message that comes out of my mouth that's based on fear. No, the Bible says God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. And you may use fear to manipulate, but fear will never inspire. And so I never want to get to a place. When I talk about the season to serve, it's not to bring fear. It's not to bring condemnation. It's to awaken the destiny inside of you. It's to awaken inside of you the greatness that that, that resides inside of you. This is the season to serve first Christ. We have to tell people about Jesus. We can't have people die and didn't hear the gospel message about Jesus. For what else do we exist if we're not telling people about Jesus how many can testify? It was Jesus who changed your life. Come on. It was Jesus. G- I wish I had another person who can agree. It was Jesus who touched it and, and changed your life. Nobody else. It was Jesus. Yeah, you may have a great preacher. You may have a great pastor. You may listen to a great podcast. But if Jesus is not the center, you have no substance and structure to withstand the storms of life. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus as well to serve your church. One of the reasons why I show up, especially when my schedule is like this now, because, because see, I love pastoring, but I love going to created events. I don't go to just scheduled events. I go to create events. And so something like the craft show, I'm not creative at all. But I said, Matt, I know Lizzie has the game, but there's something that God is doing at a craft show. Because as long as I show up, I know he's with me. Come on. Come on, church. And there might be somebody there, come on, that needs to see the light because something dark is taking place in their life. And so I walk around, and first thing God chose me is the snowflake. And I said, Okay, great. It's like going to Walmart. I got to call Meg if I'm there. You know what I'm saying? Because there's something that comes on me like a voice and say, you went to Walmart? You didn't tell me? <laughs> so I feel guilty and I text. I'm at Walmart. Do you need anything? And so I get to the craft show, and I'm seeing all the, the things that are set up, and, and I'm there. And, and again, I'm not creative in that, but I'm seeing other creative people. And I see the snowflake, and I take a picture. I said, my wife's going to love that. And she comes. But, but all that was great. That was the schedule event. But what I love was watching people interact with each other. I love watching people from the church who was able to be there to serve. And I just love it. I sit back and just watch the conversations. And I listen to the conversation taking place. And what warms my heart as a pastor is to see a church who is doing life together. That warms my heart because I'm convinced that if we do life together, Jesus is in the midst. And if Jesus is in the midst, then that's secure for me. That gets me excited. Because I know that doing life together, you got to be intentional. You got to be intentional to do life together. If you're married, you got to be intentional. Come on. About your love. You got to be intentional. To parent, you got to be intentional. You got to make a decision that I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. And so $50 later, I bought stuff and got to serve. Amen. Took care of my girls. Amen. And. He's got to take care of Danny, so she didn't get anything. Amen. That's, that's on Blaine now. Someone say praise God. She's all yours. Amen. Somebody. hmm he does a great job taking care of her. Amen. So, so it's a season to serve Christ. It's a season to serve the church. Are you getting that point? I really, I really want you to get that because I don't want you to leave today and realize, God, how come I'm not serving? How come I'm not serving? But also we have to, you ready for this? We have to serve our country. You can't have the first two and not do the last three, the last one. It doesn't make any sense. You see, from the body of Christ, we have to engage in civic affairs, in civic engagement, because it's a divine opportunity to serve the common good and point our neighbors to a greater, more perfect kingdom to come. And so because I serve Christ, I'm compelled, Paul says. And because I serve the church, I'm compelled to serve our country. And so therefore, it is vital that we understand that the first one, we're all unified. Praise God. And the second one, we debate if we're unified. But the third one, are we divided? And the reason for that is because we have lost the vote of confidence. We're confident in what Christ did on the cross, or you should be, because your eternity depends on you being confident that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. When you take your last breath, you better be confident that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior so you can be with him. We're confident in that. Struggle, but we're confident. We're also confident for church because Hebrew says, don't forsake the assembly of yourself together. And so we have the beauty of online and and we have that. And so when we come together as a church to serve, we have difference of opinions. And so we struggle with that, but at least we refer back to Christ as long as you're in the church. And though we have difference of opinion, I look to the one who called me and I believe he called you. So therefore, though we have difference of opinions, at least we're trying to be unified. But the moment we leave the four walls and step out into, a, into a, 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 an environment, a culture that is anti-God, we now divide and we lose our witness. And so what should have been a hundred watt light bulb now becomes ten. Ten. And so it's important then that we understand that we're called to serve our country. And so, and so how should we think about this unique season that we're in? And, and how, and I'm not, I'm quoting, how do we advocate for important issues without hindering the gospel witness? How do I remain passionate and yet not compromise? How do I remain passionate and yet still keep my convictions? How, how do I serve this country, because I serve my church and I have a great ball headed preacher, amen, that keeps telling me I gotta do something. And how do I serve Christ? And so, how do I advocate? How do I be a witness? How do I get involved? And one of the great loves I have is, is if I wasn't a pastor, I, trust me, I would be in politics. <laughs> I love to talk. <laughs> But number two, I have visions of me writing speeches. I I wouldn't want to have the top job. I wouldn't want to take a demotion. Come on, I'm a child of God, right? But I would want to help, come on, to make sure that we're going in the right direction, that we're navigating the storms of life. I actually want to be a light. I want to be a lighthouse. I want to be able to be able to direct the ship that's going and be able to say, thus saith the Lord, this is the way to go. If you read your Bible, that's what the prophets did of old. They would navigate the ship would navigate the ship. So how do we engage politically as Christians when our political disagreements have ended friendships? Yes, divided families. Yes, and church communities and left people bruised, determined to avoid anything political. And I'm quoting. I like this so much. I'm like, let them say it for me. How do we do that? Well, the first thing we must do then, if we're going to serve our country, the first thing, we have to register to vote. I mean, come on we got to register to vote. And so and so you have until, I believe it's tomorrow, if you haven't done it yet, that you need to register to vote. You need to. There's nothing. You're not sinning by registering to vote. And so I believe as a church, every single one of us that I'm pastor, and I told my boy, I would to hope that everybody registered to vote. We've got the forms out there. So the first thing to say, I'm serving Christ, I'm serving my church, and I'm going to serve my country, is I'm actually going to register to vote. That's the first thing. Amen, somebody. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So my question is then, why do Christians not vote? Ooh, went well, one. Praise God. There are four reasons that have determined why they don't vote. There might be more, but there's the four I got. You're getting these fours. The first one is that they believe that it's not biblical to vote. And so they quote Mark 8, 15 perhaps, and they say, you know, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they're saying, well, see, God is saying watch out for the leaven of the of the Herod, so don't get involved in, in political stuff, you know what I mean? And, and so it's not spiritual, and, and we're of another kingdom, and so they just don't believe it's not biblical to vote. Well, the Bible clearly speaks differently to that. Clearly, clearly. The second one is they keep saying, I cannot vote for the lesser of two evils. Well, don't. Don't vote for evil. Vote for God. Vote for righteousness. That one needs to go. I get what you're saying. They're both flawed. Yeah, so are we. Yeah, everybody, I get all that, but remember, you serve Christ who is perfect. You serve Christ who has a kingdom. You have enough faith to be able to seek the face of God and to be able to tell evil to get out of there so you're clear in your thinking and be able to say, I'm here to serve my uh, serve Christ, serve church, but also serve this country. So that's not a good one as well. It, it, it doesn't benefit any it, It's not a good one. You can keep it, but it's just not a good one. The third one is they have not registered to vote. And I'm quoting, there are 90 million Christians, now this is Christians, and and just they identify as Christians, so let's be careful with that, in the United States who are eligible to vote, and only 39 million of them, excuse me, and 39 million of them don't or are not even registered to vote. How we serve in our country. But I believe this is, the, this is the one that hinders us. This is the one where the enemy gets his, his fingers into this. This is the one right here. Is that, is that, is that they, have a lot, they have no confidence in the political system that actually makes a difference. They actually think it doesn't make a difference. Why bother? Why bother? And, and, and so they don't. And so they don't. So my prayer today... Is that you're saying, Pastor, I'm registered to vote. I'm eligible to vote, so I'm going to do that. I'm registered to vote, and I'm not going to lose my spirituality. Actually, it's going to be demonstrating my spirituality. So I'm registered to vote. What's next? In this season to serve, in this vote of confidence, what do I do now? So I love God. I want people to know I love God, right, through Jesus Christ. I love my church, and I also love my country. I've registered to vote. Now what's next? Well, you need to now know the rules of engagement. The reason why we're seeing that there is divide, the reason why we're seeing that families are breaking apart, because we don't understand the rules of engagement. That's why we don't understand. How in the world can I love God and not love you? So the rules of engagement are important. And the reason why there seems to be this divide, the reason why, this is so good, thank you, Holy Ghost, the reason why we see so much is taking place is for this reason. I'm going to give you an example. Back in 2004, 2005, um, I was in a training. And one of the parts of the training was they gave everybody instructions to follow and they put us in a group and so I've got my instructions and this person got their instruction and I think they put about four or five of us in a group together and they gave us some cards and they say now you want you to play the game and based on the instruction that you have and so I'm playing the game and I'm looking at my rules and I'm like okay that's awesome and I'm seeing someone who's not doing what's on my rules and I'm like whoa what's going on here so I continue to play by the rules and This person, you're cheating. And I didn't know, but they had the camera on me. They had The video was on me because they were videotaping our interactions as things were taking place. And all of a sudden, what I realized, and I was late to the party, that everybody had different rules. And they were going by their rules. And once they found out that nobody had the same rule, they just made up their own rules. I'm grabbing my card now. I'm putting this one down. And I'm like, if you don't understand the rules of engagement, you'll be like the judges versus everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so what happens is this, you think what you're doing is right and I think what I'm doing is right because we don't have the same rules. And so deep down, they're being obedient to the instruction they were given. Come on, they're following what was handed down to them by the traditions or by an experience or by something that happened or by, or by something. And so I'm just following their instructions as was given to me in my upbringing, in my life. And they never challenged that instruction. And so what happens is this, is that everybody was doing right in their own eyes. And so therefore, we can't get anything done because everyone's doing what they think is in their own eyes. And he says, don't judge me. This is what I want. And so how can we function if we don't have rules? Because rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so the one place I should be able to come and hear consistent truth should be the church. Should be the church, and so here we are now as a church, and so and, and so what, what what's going on? He showed me, and and, and this is what they said. He says, Rowan, based on your personality, you like to follow the rules. Well, I mean that's what was given to me, but deep down it was an experience I had that if I didn't follow the rules, I was punished. So I didn't follow the rules. Because I embrace the rules. I follow the rules for survival. And oftentimes time we read the word of God for survival because we still think the God of the Old Testament can't be trusted with the New Testament life. And so we follow the rules and we don't engage the God who gives the rules. And so what must we do? And I quote again, for us to enter the frame of contemporary cultural and political discussions with confidence. Yes, we must engage. Don't be afraid. We must take our step into it. We must give our voice. We must have something to say. Are you with me, somebody? But we're going to come and we're going to say, we're going to control the narrative. We're going to control the language and we're going to declare, here are the rules. Here are the rules. Number one. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, period, period. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. He's Lord of my life. He's Lord of your life. That's how we do life together. Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. And guess what? I believe it. If you confess it, I believe it. Okay. Praise God. Welcome to the family. We're together. Jesus Christ is Savior. Now I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to the world. I don't confuse when the world sins because that's what they do. It doesn't bother me. When I see what the world does, I'm like, oh, that's just the world. Why are you shocked? Why, why are we surprised? It's the world. I'm talking about the church. It's a church. Come I didn't give up my lifestyle, come on, to come to a place that was going to be born. I, Jesus knows. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I knew that I was on the right side. And I said, God, you are Lord of my life. Come on now. Sin, it's fun. Don't make anybody minimize, oh, sin's not fun. No, it is. That's Moses. Come on, can we be real? Oh, sin's bad. No, No. No, it's not. Sin feels good. Come on. I won't tell nobody if you admit it. Come on. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're enjoying it now. I'm just saying back then it was a lot of fun. You think the enemy would not bring fun? Come on. And try to get you to stay? What's there, Moses, if anybody said, the pleasure of sin. It's only for a season. So Jesus Christ, he is Savior and Lord. Number one. Number one. And you got to make this commitment. I will let nobody take that away from me. I will let nobody talk me out of that. I would not let the devil, I would not let anybody talk me out of that truth. I will fight for that truth. I need to know that he's not just Savior, but he's Lord and he's King and he's coming again. And I'm going to hold to that. I don't care what and how dark it gets outside. I am going to hold to that, that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Number two. Excuse me, offended when I say this, but it's a cool book title and it just made my point. So, first, Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Number two, rule of engagement is Thou shalt not be a jerk. <laughs> and I said, well, I got to finish it. Thou shall be like Jesus. That's the rule of engagement. So so if we're going to discuss, if we're going to be able to go through this, we're going to navigate the storms. If we're going to be able to be a voice, make our light shine. if we're going to be able to serve Jesus, if we're going to be able to serve the church, we're going to be able to serve this great nation, this nation that obviously needs help. Come on, this nation that needs to be healed, that this nation who needs God, we can all agree, this nation needs God, right? We need God. We need God to intervene and for God to have his way on the hearts of humanity. We need to know that. We must get to a place then where we recognize that we shall not be a jerk but we shall be like Jesus. We should be like Jesus. We should be people not just of sympathy, but people of empathy. Come on. We should be people that can walk into the pains of what people are going through and recognize that there are issues that we have to deal with from feelings to fact. We can't minimize either one of those because if you don't embrace someone's feelings, you can never get to the fact of why they feel like that. So don't be a jerk while they're trying to get space to navigate the feeling and why they feel this way. This was personal. This was something that happened. And I know you know the facts, but hold up till I get there. Because you are given the grace to process your feelings. Allow me the grace of God to process my feelings to your facts. Now keep your facts. I, I, I want truth. But I also you need to recognize that there's a difference between my hurt and my need for help. So be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. That, that'll solve so many problems. And so the third thing, we need to do this, ready? This is the third thing. Because, because the only book that's not biased is the Bible. So the third thing is that the Bible is your voter's guide. <laughs> that's what it is. The Bible. Now, now that's how I see it. The Bible as written by God himself. So I don't use this as a weapon of warfare. Come on. I use it as the word of God to bring transformation to hearts and lives of people. Not by fear, but what the word of God says. And so therefore we get to a place where we're having a conversation. Here's what you do. Let's take the word of God out and why not get a cup of coffee? I'll pay for it. And let's navigate through the things that are challenging because there's probably something I can learn from you. There's something you can learn from me, but we can learn together what God says about that what does god say about that jesus is not on the ballot however jesus is in the bible so i go to my text now for the next couple of minutes i have let's look at this jesus that i just talked about jesus is lord we're supposed to be like jesus and our voters god is the bible that speaks of jesus though he's not on the ballot he's in the bible and so what we must do As a church together, we must recognize that the teachings of Jesus are to guide and govern our beliefs and our behaviors. We live as people by principle. So what we do is we look into the word of God. We see what God says about it in its context of what Jesus meant, what God meant at the time he was writing this. And then what we do is we do the hard work now. How do I bring that into practical part in my life? And that's where I need your help. Come on. That's why I, say I give you pastors and, 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 and evangelists and, 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 and apostles and, and, and prophets. Because, because as I read the word of God and get the interpretation as I see it from seeking God's face. I need someone to help guide me because it doesn't matter um, because my vote does count. My, my vote truly counts counts and so and so and so ready for this it's more important how i vote than for who i vote for right 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 so so watch this now watch this now and and and, and so and so how is how we all approach things right and so in the alphabet h comes before w and, and and so it's important but here's the deal though who i vote for is important as well it's important, right? And, and so I want to make sure that I've governed both ways. So I've got to look at every single angle. I gotta look at every single thing. I can't neglect something. I gotta look at everything because I know that it's important that, that my decision that I'm making, this decision that I'm making, number one, it has to get to a place where it reflects the teachings of Jesus. And so Jesus was both compassionate and he also had conviction. I was running for president. I would win, praise God. I really would. I I would. And here's why. And and in my own, and so this is my own dream. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't got the money to do that. This is my own dream. It's like my plane. Let me dream. If I was running for president, what I would do is, is this. Is I would look at every principle and see how is this principle, ready for this, brings peace to people. That's what I would do. And so therefore, we would look at the systems that are established. And what we would look at then is the goal is to get to peace. I didn't say compromise. I said get to peace. I said how do we get to peace because if we get to peace it means nothing broken nothing missing n- n- nobody's neglected come on everybody is valued everybody is loved everybody. and we can get there but it takes hard work And so what we find here in the Bible is this, is that the people that came to Jesus, the Pharisees and and the Herodians, they came to Jesus. And what they were doing, they were saying, we got to trap him. We don't want him to be the leader. We don't want him because I don't like what he's teaching. I don't like what he's saying. He's taking power from us. And we don't want that. We want our title. We we want what belongs to us. And so this Jesus must go. And I'm going to tell you, that's what the enemy is doing. He said, if I can get Jesus out of the church, there'll just be a club. If I can get Jesus out of the church, there'll just be a bunch of people getting together. If I get Jesus out of the marriage, come on, it's going to be dysfunctional. If I can get Jesus out of everything, if I can get Jesus out of your life, I have you. You can't serve. You don't know the rules of engagement. And so what we must do then is we must recognize that the enemy is out to set a trap. He's out to set a trap. And so the first thing we see is that they prodded to entangle him in his words. And so, church, we will not be entangled. Come on, by the enemy. We will recognize, no, we are going to fight for each other and not fight against each other. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Then we're going to do the hard work. Come on. We're going to do the hard work of establishing what God has, and so and so we sees. And here's the thing. Here's what's needed. Every time the enemy sets a trap, write this down. Every time the enemy sets a trap, write that down. He sets a trap every time. Look what God does. He sets the table. Ooh. Every time that devil, come on, tries to set a trap in your life. God says, I'm setting a table. You see, the enemy's trap is to get you ready for this, to take the bait, and to also drink the bitter wine. Watch this now. This is so cool. When you see, when he showed me, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The enemy doesn't create, he's a copycat. And so everything God does, he copies it. Come on, he copies it. And so in communion, which was the New Testament of the blood and the body of Christ that reconciled us together, what the enemy does now, he sets a trap with his own table. Come on. And what he wants you to do now is to eat the bread. Come on, the body, eat the bread or the bait. And he wants you to drink the wine, which is bitter. I can prove it biblically because he did it to Jesus. The Bible says that he was led into the wilderness. And the first temptation, the first temptation of the enemy to Jesus was this. If you are the son of God, turn the stone into what? Bread. And then his last one was on the cross. That they got wine which was gall Which represent bitterness And they took the bitter wine And they brought it up to Jesus on the cross And says Jesus I want you to be bitter That you had to die for these rascals I want you to be bitter That they couldn't get their lives together And the Bible says Jesus refused bitterness Come on somebody That's a great place to praise God right there I know you're hurting But refuse to drink The wine of Bitterness It's a trap from the enemy. He wants you to eat the bread. He wants you to eat. He wants you to not know who you are. He wants you to use what God has given you and pervert it. Come on. For your pleasure and not for his. But devil, you are a liar. Come on. It is written. Man shall live by the word of God. And only the word of God. I'll stand by. So devil, you won't win. Ooh, come on, somebody. It's a trap. I need some people right now who's got discernment to tell your neighbor, it's a trap. Ooh. Hey, my God. My God, it's a trap. The enemy's trying to trap us into something. But God says, oh, no, no, no. I set the table because in, in Psalms 23, he says, thou prepares a table before me in the what? The presence of my enemy. My God. You know what that means? It means this, that when your enemies are on the outside looking in, you sitting down, and you're saying, my cup, runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall come all the days of my life. The devil has to look in and says, I thought I set a trap, but God set a table. My God, in Jesus' name, oh! Hey, good God Almighty. He tried to trap us, but somebody says, if I don't praise God, the rocks are going to cry out. I'm going to praise God. It was a trap, my God. Hey, my God. Oh, it was a trap by the devil. God says you mess. Oh my, I feel God wants to tell somebody, devil's messing with the wrong one. Come on, he's messing with the wrong church. Come on. We recognize it's a trap. <laughs> Devil, you got to go. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap, my God. Some I need to my I hear the Holy Ghost say, somebody needs to sit down at the table I prepared for you. You're worried. You're all fragile. Sit down at the table I prepared before you. It was a trap, but God set a table for you. And that's what people can say. How you eating the way you eating is because I recognize it was a trap. And so in this text, let me finish my last two points, because this is where we all need to be. Because here's the deal. You're going to vote for who you want to vote for. Praise God. You're going to do that. I'd rather be that you communicated with God. And we're going to get into the months to come. Mm. But here's the deal. Here's what we must recognize. Here's what we have to understand is this. Is this. Jesus teaches and he says to them, watch what he does. They were saying, aren't you paying the tax that the Romans require? He says, all good Jews, you have to pay the Roman tax. Now, they were in, in bondage to the Romans. And the Romans just gave them their little section where they can do their thing. And look what Jesus does. Jesus says, um, um, do you have a coin? So, in other words, if you were a good Pharisee, why would you be carrying the coin of an oppressive people? <laughs> yeah. He called them out. He said, you're trying to trap me? Come on. Right, right, right. Write this down. God, give me wisdom to use my words. God, give me wisdom to use my words, to call out a trap. Both sides, call it out, both sides. Because I don't want to be in bondage to anything other than Jesus. If you love me enough to recognize an area in my life, that's a trap. Follow the rules of engagement and help me to process what's going on and so Jesus says give it to me he takes it out of his pocket and he realizes, oh so you're carrying it so you're really being a hypocrite and he says he understands their their malice and he says now now show me what's on the coin and and so they bring the coin and Jesus looks at it and the inscription is is Tiberius Caesar that was who was in power not Augustus Tiberius Caesar was 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 in power at this particular time and it was his image that was on the coin and Jesus now with the wisdom of words said this render unto Caesar the things that belong to him in other words you can vote. In other words, you have the benefit of the state. It's okay; you can do that. We should be involved. Come on, every single one of you inside of my voice and watching now. You should be ready to sort of vote because you saying, "Hey, hey!" Because they looked at Caesar and thought he was a divine being. Right. Right. So Jesus said, "I know you know spiritual things. Oh God, mm-hmm. I, I know you understand these spiritual things, and, and so therefore, He says now in these words, He goes that 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 that, that whatever image you see." That's who you belong to. He could have left it at that. But then he now says, I love this, render unto God the things that are God. So the question needs to be asked then is what do I render to Caesar and what do I render to God? And so when we take a look at this, we have to understand that he's saying this. Is, is that he's saying that the things that belong to Caesar are, are the things, for example, that demonstrates ownership. He doesn't have full ownership. He demonstrates ownership. You got to get the difference of that. Because what Jesus really taught, when we get into it on Wednesday, and next coming Sundays, is this. You must understand dual citizenship. Oh, good God Almighty. I want you to study the Apostle Paul. Why is it that the Apostle Paul speaks most about dual citizenship? Jesus introduces it, but Paul expands it. And now you see why Paul was saved. You think God saved you because he was bored. God saved you because there was purpose. There was something inside of you that the church would not be where it is. We would not be sitting here at the table of the master if it wasn't for the apostle Paul. And God knew strategically, I declared, render unto Caesar things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God. I need somebody who can walk that out. Oh, good God Almighty. I need somebody who can walk that out. So Paul is on the road to Damascus. You're the one that I need to take this into the places so if you look at the gospels jesus mission was the kingdom but you look at the new testament and the epistle paul is walking it out he's walking it out and so to render to caesar could could be this it, it could be your pledge of allegiance to the flag or, or or your loyalty to a country and that's what he's saying is that is that that is what you need to do okay we get all that but here's the deal what do we render to god What do we render to God? And so the image of Caesar represented demonstrated ownership. But if you understand the image of God, it represents creation. Oh, God. It represents that you are stamped with God's image. So what we give to God is we give God ourselves. You see, we can't just say that this part belongs to God and I'll give it. And we can't just say that part, you know, is none of God's business. No, you and I, we're creating the image of God. We are to give him all because we represent the very nature of God. You see, who you vote for will please man. But how you vote will please God. And so we recognize these two things that are there and the issue is we want to bring those two together because i want to make sure that the vote that i give is a vote of confidence to know i know how to vote and i know who to vote and that becomes now because i've understood that i'm a dual citizen nobody else can brag about that come on nobody else can you have to understand what it means to be a citizen of this country i know what it's like come on and that's why look at some of y'all and i'm like y'all were born here to be a citizen. And what it means, he's given us a picture of what it really represents to be able, to able, to understand thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven, yeah. dual citizenship. And so what must we do now? Here's the thing. So, so to render to Caesar, you vote, get involved, work at a poll station, do something, promote your cause, whatever. You know what I mean? But do something that you know that God's going to honor it. That's the first thing. Number one, Make sure God's going to honor it, first and foremost. But the second thing is this, is that when God looks back then and he says to his church, here's what I need to know, here's what needs to happen, I'm going to finish with this. Here's what he's saying, and this is so powerful. He says when we render to God, that actually when we, we say, God, this belongs to you, he's not talking about our tithe, come on. He's not talking about our tithe. Yes, of course it belongs to God. He owns all that. But what he's saying, what belongs to God is yourself. And so what what he's asking is this, is that while you're wrestling with the issues and while you're wrestling with those convictions, while you're wrestling, God, who do I vote for? You lock yourself in the chamber and you say, God, teach me how to vote. I'm going to stay right here until you speak to me, Lord, clearly in the word of God. What is I supposed to do? And while I do that, here is what God is going to say return and repent. Every single one of us. He will say that. He says, don't bring your bias into my presence. Bring your heart into my presence because I want to give you a blessing, but your bias will be a barrier to my blessing that I have for you. And so it says return and repent. And so, so we need to return. And so in Joel, my last scripture is this. There's two types of repentance. I'm like, what, God? He goes, yes. There is 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, And we say, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and, and, and turn from their wicked ways and, and seek my face. And I'll hear from heaven. I'll heal their land. Yes, as a nation, we need to go before God and say, God, help us as a nation. Every nation should have that prayer. Every nation should have that prayer. That's the nation. But God is saying, what about my church? And our repentance needs to be this. It needs to be a repentance of worship. It needs to be a repentance of worship because many of you say, no, I don't see any wicked ways in me. And so now you think that repentance just means stop that bad behavior and stop that bad performance. And God is saying, if you relegate sin to just bad performance, you've totally missed what I have for you. Come on. He said, it's more than bad. There's a repentance of worship. Oh God. Then he writes, he says, repentance is more About feeling the awe and the delight towards God. The more glimpse we have of the glory of God, the more we mourn and we are saying, God, show me more of your glory. So while as a nation we cry to God, God, we repent, God is saying, but what about my church? What about worship repentance? What about saying anything that we put before you, God? We are so sorry for that, God. And we're going to worship you in repentance. What is that? that is when you know that you sit at the table and you see the character of God and your enemies are out there and you sit with God as you develop your vote of confidence and you say, God, I thank you. You saved me from my wickedness. But now, save me from my lack of worship to you, God. And so what we do then is this, we come together as a church. Because see, what we realize is this, is that worship leads to genuine repentance. And so Joel said, I'm not just going to rip my garments. I'm not going to rip my heart wide open so God can see it. So as I walk into that voter's booth with all the issues that I'm facing, God, that are dear and personal to me. As I register to vote, God, as I have this opportunity in this nation, as I walk or, or as I early set it in, or whatever means that you're going to use to cast your vote, you walk in saying, God, I just don't want it to be about a ballot in my hand. I want it to be that I have you in my heart. And so therefore, God, I worship you when I repent, if there's anything I place before you. It's a worship of repentance. And so right now, and, and just taking 60 seconds. I want every head bowed, every eyes closed because I'm here to tell you that, that here's the deal. Here's it: I've got to trust that God is God in your life and that you are going to read the word of God and that you're going to make a decision that you know is going to honor God. It's going to bring glory to his name. It's going to strengthen the body of Christ. And you're going to say, because I spent time in worship with the Lord God Almighty. But everybody, every is closed. Yes, all over the station, there are things being organized, and we need to call out, God, forgive our sins, Lord God, heal our lands. But when you get home, say, God, what about me? What about me? I want to render to God the things that belong to God. And that comes from a place of worship, of repentance. This is my worship, God. This is my worship. This is my worship. This is my introduction. Because the first point is this. Is, is I vote. Then it becomes my vote. And then it becomes you voted. That's how things work. But until then, I got to get to this place where I recognize the importance. The importance that I, it's a season to serve. And God, I'm going to serve you by giving you my heart. I'm going to give you everything that's inside of me. Here is my heart, Lord. I want to invite you to worship now right where you are I want to invite you to worship And in your worship say God search my heart Is there anything I've placed before you Lord God Yeah you deliver me from wickedness Lord God but I want you to go deeper to my heart and I want Lord God if I, I got to fast I'll fast if I've got to if I've got to whatever I got to do Lord but I want you to search me oh God and I need you God I need you in my life I need To give you everything. To give you everything. To give you everything. Father, we worship you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Father, we glorify you. We magnify you. I hear the Holy Spirit telling me to tell you, listen... That in worship, you'll see the traps the enemy has set for you. Woo. Oh, God. Oh, God, show us the traps. Show us the traps. Show us. Father, bless your people who have made a commitment today that they are going to serve you, Jesus, serve their church, and serve their country. That we are people who have registered to vote. And Father, we are going to do the hard work of laboring in your presence to make sure, God. That we honor you in all that we do. We will not allow the enemy to rip and divide us. But we will stand firm and be a witness of Christ and who he is in our lives. One more time. One more time. Just all over this place. Clap your hands for Jesus. Come on. Let me invite you. Clap your hands for Jesus. Clap your hands for Jesus. Clap your hands for Jesus. I trust today that you were blessed, that you were equipped, that you got a little bit more clarity on the current climate that we're in. I hope today that the notes you've taken and from what you've gathered, that you have made the decision that God, I'm going to worship you. In all that I do. In Jesus name. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And give you peace. As you walk. A life. Of honor. And pleasing. To God almighty. I love every one of you. In the depths of my heart. Stay safe. But don't stay stuck. In Jesus name. God bless you. (music) Oh, <music>